welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. I'm your host, Peter Komalafe, and you've guessed it, this is where we talk about money. And it is my mission to empower you, to help you make the best financial decisions possible. Why? Because money is a tool, life is for living. Let's go. So good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Conversation of Money podcast. I hope you're all well. Hope you had an amazing weekend. Right. So I have a guest on the show uh, for the first time in a good number of weeks now. Uh, We're going to be talking about something that is always a topic of conversation. We're going to be talking about crypto. Now, as you guys know, um, my background is very much in the investment world. I'm still kind of getting comfortable with crypto and learning about crypto. I know a bit, but I wouldn't say that I'm kind of like an expert or expert level at this point in time. So when I try to have these kind of conversations, I get so many questions that sometimes I can't answer. I think it's best to bring in someone who knows what they're talking about, or at least knows more than I do, which then makes that person an expert. So I have one such person with me today who is going to be talking through uh, crypto. We're going to be touching on, you know, the crypto space, how she got into the crypto space, you know, the potential for crypto over maybe the next 10 years or so. She's also written a really, really good book. Um, I actually need to read it. I've had a look at the uh, synopsis of the book as well. It looks great. Worthwhile you also reading this as well, especially when we get onto the topics of crypto scams, because they are far and wide right now. Uh, You guys may be aware that I've had people impersonate me on Instagram twice, selling crypto mining scams. So this is something that really does need to be addressed. And she's going to be giving her tips as well around how you can actually avoid some of these scams as well. So I have the pleasure of introducing Erica Stanford to the show. Welcome, Erica, and thank you so much for joining me. Hey, Peter, thank you so much for having me. Excellent. So why don't you just give a brief introduction to you and what you basically do now? Because I know you've got the Crypto Curry Club, which has got, I think you were saying 4,000 members in it at this point in time? Yeah, a bit more now, about 5,500, yeah. Wow. So how did you get into the space? So I, I first heard about crypto early 2017, just a friend told me about it and I started to, to look into it. And I think what what had sparked my, my interest, because as soon as I heard about it, you, you, you look at it, you play around a bit and you can see just not, not, not necessarily that the user experience was good back then because it was, it was horrible. It was a really bad user experience. It was difficult, but you could see that you could just send tiny amounts of money digitally just from one person to another just really, really quickly, really, really cheaply. And, you know, if, if you're looking at t- sending microtransactions, um, at the time it was, it, you couldn't really do that so well with, with traditional government currency. And, you know, even sending money abroad, you couldn't do that so well, or, or banks would put on a 25 pound fee and, and mm-hmm. you know, cause it a few days delay. So you, you could see the potential of crypto. And what had sparked my interest, I suppose, I'd, I'd lived in Buenos Aires during the economic crash, so in, in Argentina in the 2008 period. So you, you'd seen a lot of the, I suppose, what happens when people don't really trust the banking system at all. And, you know, people were just every time they got paid, uh, cashing out, convert, converting the, the pesos that they got paid in, um, cashing those out, converting them into euros and dollars and, and keeping those in, in safes in their, in their flats. They, they didn't trust the banking System, so that had, had stuck with me, and you know, you'd seen people that hadn't been able to get cash out of banks and so forth. But even in the UK over the years, and I, I used to spend every summer as a student traveling around South America and in South and Central America, and, and one of those was in Guatemala, and you know, I got mugged 
like four times in a row and got everything stolen as you do. And, and, and I had no cards left, no card, credit cards or, uh, I'd taken some traveler's checks with me because he used to have those back in, the, in that day. And um, I'd, 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 I'd had all of those stolen, so I had no means of, of getting money through the sort of traditional system. Uh, and so the only way to get money at the time in Guatemala was to go to the Western Union. So this was in, I think, 2007, so before the invention of Bitcoin. And, and that was the only way to get money. So I walked to this Western Union branch and called my dad, who you know, kindly the next morning drove into town in the UK and, and went to Western Union branch and sent me money. But, you know, that had really stayed with me because that it, 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 the whole process was, was so sort of difficult. You know, it was quite a, quite a long walk to get there. And, and, you know, you have to call somebody. You have to hope that they're in to receive the call. This was before we had iPhones and WhatsApp. Not that my dad has mastered how to use WhatsApp yet, but, <laughs> you know. Um, and, and, and then it cost 14% to, to get the money um, to me. And it, it took three days. So three days later, I had to go back to the Western Union branch and pick up the money. And they gave it to you in cash which, you know, is, is pretty useless. Now, useless is a strong word, but, you know, when you've just been mugged like four times in a row and you're sort of you know, pretty pretty confident on your, your chances of getting that money stolen again are pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, that had really stayed me and that was just the rest of that summer. And, and, and at how inconvenient it was, at how much hassle it was, at how expensive it was. I mean, they certainly didn't need to be charging 14% how long it took. And at the time, I'd done quite a bit of research into the whole sort of traditional, um, not, not necessarily the traditional financial system, but into remittances, because that had got me interested. So I'd, 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 I'd been looking, and you realise there's about two and a half billion people around the world, about a third of the world's population, that don't have access to sort of traditional banking. Banks don't deem it economically viable to, to serve them. So you've got all of these people who can't store money digitally, who can't save money, who can't be paid digitally, who literally rely on on cash. And there's a huge amount of people. And the thing is, because they have to rely on cash, that's that's not so safe. They have to sometimes rely on local lending circles where they, they, they keep track of each other's money and store it safely and can borrow and lend from each other but the the average i, I read somewhere uh, for amount of money that got gets lost it's something like six percent a month it's quite mm. high and it you know it isn't it isn't safe, safe to store money in, in cash at all it can be stolen or lost or, or used or you know some places with inflation so that had really stayed me with me but you know really you've got in in these areas where people don't necessarily have banking what you've got is a lot of people work away from home Maybe they work in a different town. Maybe they work even abroad and send money home to their families, often on a daily basis. And these are the people having to pay the remittance fees. And, and that's up to 30%. Mm. So the average around the world now is 7% charge for remittance industries. But they're, they're, they're paying up to 30%. And that's, you know, even 7% or 30% is still an awful lot of money when you're earning one or a few dollars a day. And, and that's, you know, 7% plus of, of that money just going to the remittance fees. And, you know, you hear stories in some cases that's literally the difference, does a child eat or not? And so that that had sort of stayed with me. So when I heard about crypto and you start playing with it and you start sending, you, you realize, you know, there's so much potential 
for this and you know that, that we're starting to see bits of that realized with, with crypto and with digital currency and now we're sort of looking at the trend of, of the sort of more stable coins but you are starting to see the trends of how cryptocurrency just by by how it works without needing the you know the sort of traditional infrastructure it can provide payments to people who otherwise don't have traditional banking you can send micro payments you can do these micro loans it, it, it allows a whole new group of people to be able to get access to digital wallets and store money digitally for the first time send money digitally for the first time to save to get sort of a you know almost like a credit score to to get loans to borrow so it just opens up a whole world of potential so that was always my interest i mean i think a lot of people in crypto get sidetracked with all the talk of the prices and the volatility and the trading and all of that and you know i think that's it's there's been a lot of you know hype and excitement by by others around that but i think you know actually the potentials are there's quite a few potential use cases there yeah i mean it's interesting that you that you talk about the utility um uses for crypto because i've been on the on the end of receiving money and sending money via Western Union, it's slow. And then, yeah, you look at the feeds and it's like, it's going to take not cheap. most places. <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's not cheap. You've got to send the money, they've got to weigh, and it's just really, really inconvenient. And I think mm. when, when you look at the banking system, I think it's well known that, you know, the banking system and that whole remittance, sending money globally, that system was built years and years and years ago and it had it's had very very little change to it mm. um ever since it was really created it's very inefficient so cryptocurrency worked within that period of time it's interesting you've gone to the very base level use in terms of the crypto and i think that's often sometimes something we forget about crypto the very basic uses in terms of the implications it has to help in the unbanked people who have no bank accounts whatsoever, the the user case is huge. Well, yeah, there's a really cool project. It's, it's probably my favourite sort of project in the crypto space called Plastic Bank, and they, um, you know, what what they do, I'd, I'd urge anyone to, to check it out and have a look at it. But what what they do, you've got in in in, in the developing world, in in the world in general you've got a huge problem with waste plastic, with, with plastic that essentially has no monetary value. So people just throw it away. You get a bottle of drink, you throw the plastic away, you see it all around the world. It's 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 a really bad problem and that clogs up in, in the environment, it clogs up in the ocean. You've got millions or billions of, of animals die every year from that. And there, there'd been a few initiatives where companies had had tried to sort of incentivize local people to pick up the plastic and then paying them. And for various reasons, it hadn't really worked for, for a few reasons, partly because the, the, the people that were doing the, the picking up the plastic didn't have access to bank accounts. So the people, the companies were paying them in cash. And, and then there was a problem because people knew that these people were going to be paid cash in this certain location, that you had you know, stories of people waiting outside to rob them or to take their money or you know, often it was women that were doing the plastic collection and because they got cash, the husbands knew they were getting cash and instead of leaving the wives of the money to go buy food or school the kids, they were taking the money to go and drink and so forth. So you had all of these problems because it was cash um, around that. So what Plastic Bank have done is because where you've got people that, that don't have access to, to being able to have a traditional bank account, many more of these people are able to get a smartphone. And you mm -hmm. can get smartphones quite cheaply around the world and you don't even need to access your own smartphone. And, and the thing is, with having a digital wallet, 
anybody that has access to a smartphone or to the internet can have their own digital wallet to which they can receive digital currency and, and store it and save it and so forth. And even if you lose a phone, well, that's it's sort of a wallet. It's like being in the cloud. So you've still got the, the digital wallet. So what, what they did, they created these digital wallets for people so that they could transfer. And it's, it's done in a stable currency. It's, it's not like a cryptocurrency that, that's volatile. So, but they, when, when people collect the plastic, they have a set price for the plastic and then that is gone and then recorded on blockchain to prove that it's, it's you know, recycled and then companies will pay a premium for that because they can actually prove that it's recycled plastic instead mm-hmm. of you know, one, of, one of the problems in plastic going on a tangent is, is because it's cheaper to make new plastic than it is to recycle plastic. So there's, there's all these stories of these particularly Chinese warehouses apparently that, that basically make a load of new plastic and then shred it and then sell it on a premium as, as recycled plastic. So mm-hmm. anyhow, they can prove that it's recycled plastic and they, they created these digital wallets for their, their plastic collectors and can just send them payments in, in this digital currency. And, and what's really cool, they can store the money digitally in this digital currency, or they can take it to these shops. They, they literally call them plastic bank where they can take the plastic and get paid into the digital token and, and then swap that straight away for food or for cleaning products or for school fees mm-hmm. or what, you know, whatever it is that they need. So it's a direct exchange or they can save it. And for the first time, these people, because they've now got a digital wallet that they can see how they're spending so forth, they can get a sort of like a, a credit score. And for the first time, they can lend them lend them money and get microloans and, and you know, even get mortgages and so forth. So it's opened up this whole sort of new, you know, micro sort of economic or ecosystem in quite a few areas now. And it's so simple, but just because it allows these, these transactions to be sent quite cheaply. And that is one of the factors of crypto because there, there's a cost to sending money. You know, and, and with fiat currency, that can be a relatively high cost. But with cryptocurrency, depending on which currency you're looking at, but you can send these transactions quite cheaply. So you can make lots of these little micropayments, um, you know, on a, on a sort of per use basis, or on a per day's payment basis. So it, it just opens up a whole load of incredible use cases around that. And I think we'll see much more of that happening. That's interesting because um, I didn't know about that project. And that has, environmental impacts as well, which is the great thing about technology now. So I first heard about crypto when I was in Canary Wharf, and it must have been around about 2014. Mm-hmm. I remember my mate Ashley um, talking about Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. She's like, right. have you bought this? And I can't remember what it was trading for, but it was like, I think it was like a pound or something like that. It was trading really, really low. Right. Did you Did you get into crypto early in terms of ownership because i never did i was like yeah no I, 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 I didn't i'm sure you if Skipped i got it. into bitcoin at one pound i would not be in the uk anymore. i guarantee <laughs> you i would be somewhere hot and dry and tropical eating eating good food i guarantee you i would not be in this country <laughs> so at what point did you actually get into sort of owning crypto and stuff like that then? late 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 like so 2017 i just and i just got little bits and then was just playing around of it, I was, I was never in that heavy or early, and you know, kudos to people that, that did. Yeah, kudos absolutely. to any people, people that did. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we've talked about you know, Placid Bank there, uh-huh. and um, that as a user case um, for for crypto. I find it really, really interesting when looking at the potential for crypto over the next ten years. I mean, I've had a look at DeFi and that whole. Um, ability to use cryptos, like you said, for to increase your credit score, to get mortgages. That kind of stuff really, really excites me. I think 
because we're in a developed part of the world, I always have a big question around how that actually interfaces with our with our economic monetary system, as it were. But I'd be interested to know what you feel um, is the potential for, for crypto in the next 10 years. I mean, how far can it go? How big can it get? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting question and, and one that's, that's raised a lot because you've got at the moment, you've got all of these crypto and DeFi startups doing, doing all sorts of things, looking at custody, looking at security, looking at payments, looking at micropayments, looking at paying for content on a per-use basis, um, you know, looking at sort of institutional grade storage. You, you've got startups sort of doing everything. And then in the DeFi space, you've got um, this whole concept of, of lending and staking, where if you effectively buy their token and, and keep it in a, a wallet, you get some interest payments, which are you know, possibly, you know, some would say it's risky, but, you know, for the short term, uh, you know, arguably higher than one could get in a traditional bank account. And, and so you've got all of these new sort of concepts pushing the boundaries of what can be done with money, how it can be stored, how it can be sent, how it can be transacted, transaction fees, all of that. So you've got a lot of, of, of really sharp, exciting new companies really, really sort of innovating in the space. And, you know, how, how that reacts with, with traditional finance, it's, it's an interesting question because I think, you know, for, for a few years, there's always been the, the thing that it's, it's a crypto startups and it's a DeFi startups and they're, they're trying to change the world and they're, they're doing their own thing and then it's as if it was sort of a competition with traditional finance. And, you know, until not that long ago, you had banks and traditional finance, you know, at least coming to the Crypto Curry Club to, to learn and they came for events to to keep an eye on what was happening and to, to get ideas and to see what's happening in the crypto space and to meet the people and to learn. But certainly it was, it was basically seen as a bit of a swear word. Like you mm-hmm. wouldn't, they wouldn't have actually associated with anything that had the word crypto mm-hmm. in it. I mean, they'll more likely block your bank account, which I've seen happen to, <laughs> you know, God knows how many companies. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you know the, the, the sort of went, but, you know, I, I, kind of in the same way as, you know, if you go past a car crash, people look. Um, you know, because they, they wanted to see what was happening and, and were curious, but probably wouldn't want to touch it. And, and now that really is changing. They're, they're getting much more involved, getting much more active, looking at the companies, wanting to, to see if they can invest in them or partner with them or how they can work with them and looking at the actual innovations. And, you know, I, I think what what's, you know, interesting space, what, what's really, really cool about the crypto space is, is so many you know, crazy smart people in it. and there's a, a the massive massive brain drain i've never seen anything like it like you know almost every day you get a different message or a phone call from some sort of c-suite person who's left a you know, major position in a major company that that is now wants to work in crypto and they, they want mm-hmm. to learn how how can i get a job in crypto where where you know or, or or just can you i've just got a new job in this thing or i'm working with this crypto startup and and you know it's it's some of the smartest people in the world from from all sorts of sectors, really, really senior, really, really smart people going to work in the space because they see it as faster moving and more exciting, more innovative. I think they get a bit frustrated with how slowly some more traditional space moves. So you know, it, it, it's, it's evolving really, really quickly. And, and and what's interesting now, a lot of people going to work in the sort of crypto and DeFi startups are more from the traditional side, so they've got those contacts. So you're seeing much more blending of, of the two. And I think with the, the traditional space, maybe looking at how they can potentially partner or work with some of the startups and, and that, you know, that are now no longer startups in some cases, they're scale-ups and, and growing into larger companies. And, and then on the other side, you've got the, um, the sort of the, the crypto companies, you know, actively seeing that they can benefit from these, from these partnerships and, you know, even selling 
services into them. So that that is progressing. And I think for realistically for things to to develop, I, I think there will be more and more such partnerships, whether the crypto companies will be using the infrastructure that's been built up by traditional finance and traditional finance will use some of the innovation and 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 then smart minds from the crypto space. So we'll we'll see on that. Where do where do I think it will go? I think partly this is what I I think partly this is what I hope to see. So mm-hmm. fused answer. Um, that there's a lot of really cool stuff and a lot of really cool sort of projects and companies that are looking at how um, digital currency can be used in the incentives in rewards and okay. in micropayments. So. Um, for example, maybe there's loyalty points. So instead of giving you a little card, you know, every time you go and buy a coffee, you get a stamp and you have to keep your physical card. And you know, mm-hmm. once you get nine stamps, you get a free coffee, but that's a little bit antiquated, especially with, with coronavirus. So they're looking at how they can use digital currency for loyalty rewards. And then as soon as it's digital, then that can be used across multiple platforms. That can be, you know, but that, that can be sort of exchange between different games, between different shops, between different brands and so forth. So you could accumulate points and spend them in different ways. So that's a potential. Or where you've got this a, a sort of digital currency that's within an ecosystem. Say if you go to a theme park and you can make payments to buy your, you know, your ride or to, to put your token in a queue so that you don't actually have to, to sort of to wait physically yourself. Your token is, is queuing for you and mm-hmm. then you pay for the ride when you get there or, you know, or, or, or then to get your Coke so that it's ready for you. And, and, and there's a few really, really interesting use cases. I think around, around the sort of the micropayment side, around the sort of paying for incentives, paying for experiences, having sort of the, the reward points in the crypto space. I think that's, that's really, really cool and really exciting. Um, and, and I think we'll hopefully see that sort of much more use in the, the sort of experience um, side of things where, where you've got these, I don't know, you, you, I write an article and you share it. So I tip you for a 1p mm-hmm. for every time that some, you send traffic to my article or, you know, what, whatever that is or on social media and so forth. So I do think we'll see much more of that. And, and that, that is super exciting. Although it's, it's still, that, that is still a, a sort of in play as it were. There's nothing massively finalized about that. I mean, I think realistically, we are seeing more on, on what is known as the CBDC side, so the central bank digital currency side, where you've got um, central banks looking at digitizing their, their, their currencies. And, you know, there's pros and cons to that. I mean, pros are it's, it's, it's quite energy intensive to physically print money, um, mm-hmm. very energy intensive to physically print money, and it's, it's quite easy to fake money. There's been lots of cases of, of physical money being being faked, it's easier to use physical money in, in crime. If you know, if you want to sell drugs or something, the best way to do it is to meet somebody in person and swap drugs mm-hmm. for for cash, physical for cash, cash, because you, you can't trace that. Um, and you know, there's the, 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 the realities around that. And you know, in you know, on another note, they say, "Oh, is it all banknotes or whatever?" Are they still cocaine because of how many of such trades have gone on? So you know, the, the, there's benefits definitely to digitizing. Money, you know, re- related to that, related to theft, related to loss, related to all of these things. But then also, and you know, also for, for governments, it's easier to track it. It's easier to control. But then on the other side, to, to, to be frank, I find it absolutely terrifying how, how much mm-hmm. potential control it gives to to, to banks and, and governments because they can see every transaction. And they, exactly, they can see every, everything, 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 everything. I mean, you're talking sort of Facebook and. And Amazon and sort of Google levels of 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 knowledge, but on 
absolute steroids because everything you do, everything you go, every payment you make. And and what's scary with, with sort of the concept of CBDCs is it's, it's, it's already been done in China. So China is way, way, way ahead of us. They've been working on this project for like seven years now. And they've got their own digital currency, digital yuan. And what, what they've got it now is, is to make payments there. They've been trialing different sort of setups out in different cities. But what one of the, the trials that will be rolled out is, is you've got um, this concept, all payments have to be made by, a, by various apps. So because all currency is digital, so if you want to book a train ticket, you can't just take physical cash and buy a train ticket. You can't just, you have to buy it by these apps. And, and mm-hmm. the, the ability to spend money is linked to a social credit score. So you get certain points depending on, on how you are, you know, how you act, what you do, what you what food you buy in supermarkets, how you vote, who you associate with. And you know, there's, there's all these scary things. And you've got these absolutely terrifying articles and sort of investigative pieces that have been done that people of certain religions or of, of certain cultures or people that have you know, maybe said too much or investigative journalists and so forth get given a really low social score just because you're whatever this this minority or just because you've you've done that and and then it basically blocks their ability to do anything so they they just physically can't book a train ticket to a certain place or book a plane ticket or get their kids into certain schools so it's it's trying to really restrict the movements and restrict the abilities of certain people based on you know things that you know one could argue are morally dubious or you know if you're being neutral one could argue are subjective um, so that really scares me because as soon as you've got a currency that's fully digitized, you've got that power. And, you know, people say, well, you know, if it's a British government, so if, if it's whatever, well, you know, maybe the intentions are good and, you know, maybe the intentions aren't just to fully control, it's just to stamp out world and have more, more data and so forth. Maybe, but you're only ever one election away from, yeah. um, you're only ever one election away. And then, you know, what we're already seeing with, with the Corona laws, it's, you know, one, you know, one sort of privacy taken away and then the next and then the next and then the next. So that really does scare me because it's, even if it's done by a really good government with the best of intentions, once the technology is there, then it only needs to be tweaked, 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 tweaked. So, you know, there's a lot of excitement about it. You've got countries all around the world trying CBCs and launching their own. And, you know, I think it's inevitable that, that governments in general want to get rid of physical cash uh, want to fully digitize money supplies. That's not necessarily a bad thing at, at all. And, and you know, brings brings many physical benefits. Um, and especially to those people who haven't be, been able to have traditional access to banking and have been able to stay, save money now, now they can and, and be paid and send money abroad and so forth. So there are many benefits to that. It's not black and white scary, but I, I do think a, a lot of people underestimate the, the potential for harm that could come with it maybe i'm just un- unduly black mirror based um so you know I-, I think i think realistically we'll see more of that and then what else will we see i mean there's been a lot of talk about facebook's digital currency there fate uh, what it yeah. started off you know being dubbed face coin and then libra and now dm and mm-hmm. you know it hasn't gone through yet because it's, it's a big pill for regulators to swallow and it involves a lot of changes and you know it, it, they've got their their well, they, they would plan to have their stable sort of native digital currency, which could be used around the world. So I could send you money, you could send it to somebody else in a different country, they could buy something else off you. And effectively, because they've got their own sort of Facebook currency that could be used internationally and then for free, that 
in, in many ways gets rid of the need for a central bank if you can keep making payments in that one currency, mm-hmm. you can pay for enough things in that currency. And, you know, I think, you know, regulators have stalled that partly because it's it's so big and powerful and partly practically Facebook have 2.5 billion users. I think they've got 1.8 billion people use their platforms every month. I mean, that's a huge number of people. Well, that, that's more yeah. than... You know, that, that's more than the entire Chinese population. That's more than any bank, any government mm-hmm. together. That's a huge amount of power and, and influence. So it's it's not just like a little startup that, that's got a few hundred users. That's you know that's you know you, you're talking a third of the world's population there um, that that actively use their platforms and and could be incentivized to to use their currencies. So at the moment they've been stopped, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if if they come through with something. Um, we'll, we'll see. And I, I wouldn't be then surprised if there's more of those sort of stable digital currencies that can be used internationally to get rid of things like uh, forex fees and, and international transaction fees. What I do expect to see that the, the, the user experience of, of crypto until pretty recently has been horrible. It's it's difficult, it's complicated, it's scary, money gets lost. Um, and, and now we're seeing a, a so much focus on, on the user experience. So I, I do think uh, we'll, we'll see just it will be so easy to use crypto and it, it's got to be done. But it, I, I do think we'll see it, that it will be. And you've got these now sort of naming services coming about. So I could say I could have you on my phone as Peter and um, and, and send you, um, you know, crypto just like that to, to Peter. So I think, you know, we'll get to a stage where we're instead of just sending photos and videos on WhatsApp, we'll be able to uh, I can send you. Yeah, pound, two pounds, whatever, any amount of money. So you've you've mentioned so much stuff there, and um, one of the things that so the whole <clears throat> Bitcoin uh, governments mm. uh, introducing their own coins. I completely agree with you. I think the level of control and the detail of information that they'll have, even I struggle with trusting that level of detail because i think you're right it's you're one election away you're or one, one politician away, away or one decision yeah. away or one whatever away and it's yeah. not like in this country we've got a history of voting in the in the um whatever jesus is of the world let's <laughs> exactly and i think you know you're one moment one political crisis or national crisis of whatever, whatever it from, is yeah yeah from anything happening to the point where they, there's a pivot and like you said once the technology exists it's simply just tweaking it and increasing the control that you can leverage and i think you're right certainly in places like china like you don't want to be you don't want to have a lower credit score just because you voted a particular way or anything or like because that. So you're that said a does, minority and what you know exactly. whatever it is or Exactly. And so for me, I guess the next question that then, or the next logical way that my head goes to is with that, does it not then just drive people more towards Bitcoin and other coins that aren't under the control of these central governments? Because I think that's the whole point of cryptocurrency in the first place. It's yeah. not controlled by anybody or by any central government. It, it, it massively, um, mass, massively is. And, and if you look at, I mean, Bitcoin is, is incredible and shouldn't be underestimated. And uh, just this incredible concept and evolution and technology and sort of freedom giving currency. And, it, you know, interestingly, when you look at, you, you touched on it exactly, 
when you look at who's using Bitcoin, so China's trying to restrict that, but the, 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 where, where Bitcoin is most used, it isn't with the upper middle class in the UK who can pay for everything with your iPhone and with a card and where it's actually quite easy to just, you know, pay for things. You just go on Amazon, press a button and things magically arrive at your house and you're not even aware mm-hmm. of it. It's, 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 it's Venezuela, it's Russia, it's Ukraine, it's, it's parts of Africa, it's, it's places where for various factors, there's uh, economic collapse or total economic instability or extreme crazy hyperinflation or just total distrust of government or government censorship or governments trying to block you from sending money abroad. So, you know, where, where people are using Bitcoin the most, it's not a, oh, I'm going to invest in this and I think it's going to go up in value or this is a bit of fun or this is a bit of cool. It's uh, there's hyperinflation in my country. If I leave mm. if I leave money in our local national currency, it will be eroded to the point that we can't afford to eat at the end of the month. So it's the only way people see that they've got of keeping money in a sort of semi-stable thing because it's not like they can just cash into the dollar there. You know, there's various blockades in, in some countries and so forth. So where it, it, it's really used, it's basically by people seeing it as, as, a, as a lifeline. It's a way to hold something and yes, Bitcoin's volatile, but it's less volatile than the Venezuelan peso, for example, and it's yeah. less volatile than other currencies where, you know, printing, just the printing money, money gets printed like it's going out of fashion. There's just no controls. You can add just zero after zero after zero after zero to currencies and they just get printed like nothing. So, or, or it's used because there's blockades on, on money and I don't know, say you're, you're my family and you're living in a different country and you, you just simply can't send those transactions, whereas in Bitcoin you can. So it's where it's used and used the most and, and, and used sort of the most religiously, it's, it's exactly that. It's, it's by people where, for whatever reason, due to economic failings, their, their, their national sort of economic system and, and currency isn't working. That's interesting you put it that way, because I think, I don't know whether I'm generalizing here, but I think sometimes, certainly in the UK, America, in the Western developed world, we mm-hmm. look at Bitcoin as an investment opportunity. What you have just described there is the utility of right. Bitcoin in circumstances. And I think this is maybe just a byproduct of the fact that we're in our little bubble here with and a lot of people will see Bitcoin as, oh my God, it's over 40,000 40, today. Mm-hmm. We're looking at the values as a way to make money. Yeah. Whereas actually the essence behind it and the practical user case behind it is felt everywhere else in the world, apart from here, where the purpose of which it was created and its utility is almost an everyday necessity. Yeah. And I, you know, I do think for where, where Bitcoin was created i mean you know who knows whoever satoshi is i'd be interested to find out but um (laughs) you you can't help but thinking that that bitcoin wasn't created with the purpose of of people pouring over charts and and getting excited by by the volatility and by how overtly it's manipulated in the markets very very true yeah i I would i would completely agree with that i I would love to know who he is um who they are because to think who they are (laughs) Because I think people like that are visionaries to have this idea of this is what this this could potentially be. And this kind of leads us into kind of the next thing and, and the pieces around your book, really. 
crypto and scams is a huge thing right now. It's it's almost rife everywhere. Like I said, I've had people impersonate me on Instagram. I did a live literally on Sunday evening last week, mm. and I had someone pop up on YouTube with my account name and my profile picture acting to be me yeah. whilst I'm live on YouTube saying, do you guys want to win some Bitcoin? This is my second account. And I'm like, people yeah. who are watching me know that I'm but, actually but physically speaking to them right now. not necessarily because there'll be one person. There'll be yeah, one person. true. Yeah, very, very true. So talk to me about your book, how that actually came about. And, you know, your views on, on the crypto space when it, in relation to the, the scamming and all that kind of stuff, because it's very, very rife right now. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's not just that it's right, right now. It's been going, crypto scams have been going on since, you know, since since crypto began almost, but but really, really badly since the, the sort of the last few years where it was sort of the whole ICO bubble and, and boom from around 2016. And you know, it's it's not, I, I do want to add, it's not like a scams are unique to the crypto space. Like there's been scams in every industry and in every new invention and in every new technology. We're, we're getting scams all the time over phone calls, over text, over social media. In every industry, cybercrime is, is through the roof. So scams, especially in the last sort of year and a half since, since 2020, are, are just altogether through the roof worse, partly because of the you know, people, more people are more vulnerable, more desperate, more economically vulnerable due to lockdown, partly because of the, the software and the tech that scammers have is, is just getting more advanced, partly because they're getting more sophisticated and more brazen and, you know, realize that they're realistically not going to get caught. Mm -hmm. So just going on from scam to scam to scam. So for various factors, all, all, all scams have gotten worse. It's not just a crypto thing. And, you know, I'd add also that the, the scams in many ways aren't about crypto yes there are a number of, of cryptocurrency projects that have been scams and that haven't had good intentions but you know I, i'd say more than that or worse than that it's just people taking advantage of the ecosystem because it's it's new because it's a new digital currency because they've seen you know, people get rich quick so they, they just think they can play on people's desire to do the same and mm -hmm. and and so a, a lot of the scams aren't actually crypto at, at all You've got these, these you know, mostly Ponzi schemes just promising, oh, we've got this safe place to store your crypto, just send us your money. Or we've got this Bitcoin doubler, just send us your money, we'll get you back double. Or we've got this algorithmic trading software. So if you just send us your Bitcoin, we'll trade it for you and you'll get X mm -hmm. return. Or, you know, we've got this magical new cryptocurrency, so send us your money, we'll you know, we will give you some of these coins and they'll go up in value. We'll be, get more of them. We've got this Bitcoin mining equipment. Just send us your money and we'll mm -hmm. mine Bitcoin and then we'll send you all these guaranteed profits. And, you know, the, the one common theme is, I mean, like what you say about send us your Bitcoin with when you send Bitcoin, it's, 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 you've sent your Bitcoin. It, it's not really like a bank where you can just call your bank and go, oh, that was a scam. Somebody's taken money out of my account. And it wasn't me, and they can usually do a check and then refund um, refund your money because they can see it clearly wasn't here this time, and you can't do that. And, and and the trick with crypto scams is they know that once you send Bitcoin, you send your Bitcoin, and yeah. and then they can cash it out or they can exchange it or they send it through mixes and whatever. And then the Bitcoin is theirs, and they can do whatever they want with it. So mm -hmm. all of these scams revolve around basically tricking people in various guises to send them their Bitcoin. And they get so, so brazen. And you know, there's so much to it. Partly, 
they, you know, they, they look good. They have good websites or good, you know, um, good marketing and so forth. And they have the budgets that they to do so. And, and, you mm-hmm. know, like what you've had with your social media, they're very good now at impersonating people or uh, either two things, either hacking into um, influencers or celebrities or people's accounts and, and literally taking over. So it, instead of you, you know, it being a scammer impersonating your Twitter, they literally just get into your social media and, and post on your behalf and, mm-hmm. you know, post things that you probably wouldn't want posted on your social media. Or mm-hmm. they, they do such a good job of impersonating you that you know, how would anyone really know unless they know what to look for? Or they, they come up with these websites and make all these claims like, oh, we're regulated by so-and-so. We've, we've got such and such companies as partners. We've got such and such people as our advisors where, you know, we're working with so-and-so. We'll give all our people visa cards and mask cards. Or whatever. They make all of these claims, you know, using names and companies that people know to make it look legitimate and to make it look safe so that people trust it. And why wouldn't you trust it if you see this company is working with whatever, all these big companies that you know and trust? You'd, you'd think it you, must be a legit that, by yeah. association. And they make all of yeah. these claims. And, and, and you know, there's, there's sort of nothing stopping them because they get away with it. Yeah. There is one that I've been covering for a while. I won't mention who they are, but they were associated with um, a, a, a La Liga football team um, as official sponsors or, mm-hmm. or something like that. And, you know, in the end, through having conversations with various people and brokers who were connected to them, you know, it turned out, well, actually, a lot of the stuff that they claim they're doing at this point in time mm-hmm. are literally all just fictitious made up like yeah. an official broker actually wasn't an official broker they just had um they had an account manager assigned to them and they got this person on the zoom call and positioned this zoom call that went out to all of their members as this is our this is our uh personal uh account manager yeah. for the partnership that we have with x and it's very, very hard to quantify this kind of stuff because I think most people believe if it's on the website, it's got to be true. Exactly. And it's, it's so hard to be able to funnel through and verify this kind of information if you're looking at it from the outside. Mm. Yeah, no, it, it totally is. And the thing is, if you're not coming from a place of expecting something to be a scam, why would you? And, and where they mm. get bad and where they get clever, you know, and so the worst of the scams, they use this thing called multi-level marketing, which is... Yeah. It's okay. This is my opinion here. Um, morally dubious at best. Um, it's inexplicably legal in some places. You know, I think the whole thing should be banned. But again, that's just my opinion. Because um, statistics are something like the ninety-eight percent of people that get involved in in multi-level marketing lose all their money. Now there are multi-level marketing projects that you know have done well for for a lot of people. Uh, it's not black and white like that. And there are some that are legit companies that operate and, and use it as a commission scheme to reward people. So it isn't black and white. But when it comes to crypto, it does seem to be pretty, pretty bad because, ha- ha- you know, how, how they work, they, they have these sort of pyramid shaped reward structures where you're yeah, yeah. paying huge one, amounts of money. Yeah. Like, like one coin, yeah. exactly. And, and yeah. you're, you're paying, you're getting huge amounts of money for every person that you bring. And so of course people are incentivized to bring people in. But because of, you know, how they work, their Ponzi scheme. So for the first few people that get in, they pay out. So if you get in early, you hear about it early, you, you get in early and then they, they pay out. So you think it's good. And if you're coming from a place where you, you don't expect it to be a scam or whatever, um, then 
you you think it's it's fine and you genuinely think it's fine because you're a normal sort of innocent person you think it looks good you invested they get they got your money back and also you think it's good so then you go around to tell your friends and your family and everything and and where they get really bad is because you're not being scammed by the scam you're being scammed by your friend by your family mm-hmm. by, by your religious leader and you know it's it's black and white because a lot of people that promote them they're total scammers from the start they know it's a scam or they just don't care and they're just in it for the money and then they go just ruthlessly after communities and you've got you know yeah. stories of religious leaders promoting them to the congregations and community leaders literally going around entire communities and people sell their houses and invest everything. And that's yeah. really, really sad and it's awful. But then you've also got people, you know, innocent, normal, regular people who fall for them, who, you know, think it's good. And yeah, of course they're, they're tempted by the commissions that they get, but equally they're, they're spreading it amongst their friends and their family because they think their friends and their family will do well out of it. And then, yeah. you know, when it collapses, it's, it's awful for them because they've dragged Holding everyone the in. Yeah. Right. Um, they've dragged everyone into it. The the one that I've been highlighting is exactly that. It's a multi-level marketing scheme. They tried to recruit me, which is how it got on my radar. And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to recommend this to anybody. Like absolutely Mm -hmm. not. So for them, uh, they're multi-level, multi-level, and obviously they have to sell a product. So the product that they're selling is a, a trading academy, but they have the ability for you to invite your friends over. And I've just been saying to people, I've said, listen, if you if you if you go into this and you're inviting your friend, your cousin, your aunt, your mom, your dad, what happens when it finally succumbs because there's not enough people coming through yeah. the top of yeah, the funnel yeah. anymore? And it's weird because you know, they're like a they're like a cult. Like on my videos on YouTube, I have had people email me, I've had people threaten me mm. and it's like dude it's not that serious i'm simply saying listen guys you need to be careful about this because for all of these reasons i've done research for you this is what i found i've been i actually signed up to actually see what it was like get, yeah, inside yeah, yeah. the system and i was like this is definitely not legit but you have people literally go yeah. after you because and- at the end of the day, their money is at stake because they're and that, financially. And they, they don't want competent. to see it. They don't want to see it fail. And and, and you know, it's 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 a real problem because a lot of these scams are run by organized criminals or, or by professional scammers who are ruthless. And I've had all sorts of horror stories of 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 people having death threats and being threatened and all that. And then on the other side, you know, I've I've seen it personally because I'm in some of these Facebook groups exactly like you, or in them just to kind of just to sit on the outskirts and watch. And and you see people scamming each other, and you know where people go in and say, "Hey, you know, be careful, this is a scam." They get absolutely jumped on attack, you know, either by the scam or by people who, because they've invested their money and they've got so much at stake, they can't afford it to. They can't afford it to collapse. Mm-hmm. So it is, it's it, it is it is awful. Can you share which one it is? Or I understand if you don't want to, for the sake of <sighs> the one that I. On. It, it is it the one that I've been very very vocal about is Cash FX. Yeah. Yeah. So basically it's, and this is the weird thing about them. They, they're offering Forex trading mm-hmm. services, but you pay Bitcoin and right. they pay you back in Bitcoin. And I've never been able, I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. but this doesn't work. So they're trading fiat currency mm-hmm. via Bitcoin, which means you're going to go Bitcoin, transfer into fiat, trade. Those will then need to be converted back into Bitcoin and then paid out to you. I mean, Bitcoin. which makes it, zero sense. It makes no sense. It makes zero sense. Literally. I'm like, guys, surely you must be able to see this. But people, obviously, when people start to make money in these kind of things, mm. they don't care that it 
that it's that it doesn't stack up mm. and that's the unfortunate thing about it yeah yeah no i'd, I'd heard about that one else when after a 20 second look at the website sort of came to the same conclusion that it didn't look overwhelmingly good mm. yeah so in your in your experience have you seen that there are any like common themes that people can kind of use to identify potential scams i mean because i think for you and I, I can look at it and think like, mm, it sounds too, and that's typically my, my go-to point. If it sounds mm -hmm. too good to be true, then it probably is. You need yeah. to have a little look a bit deeper. Is Are there any themes that you've kind of identified that are common? I mean, that, that, that's the problem. There's so many different trends. So I, I, I'd say that if, if there's multi-level marketing involved in crypto, potentially it's hypothetically possible that there will be one such company that isn't a scam, I've yet to see it. So I, I guess my, my sort of feeling would be that if there's any commission payouts for bringing people in, other than, for example, you know, you sometimes get if there's like, you know, legitimate crypto exchanges that pay, you know, five pounds or something for a referral. But, you know, mm -hmm. if, if there's commission payouts for you to bring in investors or to bring in people like that, I've yet to see a single case in crypto where that, or, or Forex for that matter, whether that isn't a scam. So mm -hmm. I'd, I'd be anything that's multi-level marketing or involves commission payouts like that, I'd be hyper, hyper cautious. Um, if, if there's anything that says or guarantees or promises payouts, like you'll get 1% a day or you'll get X percent a week or a year or whatever, I, I, I'd personally run for the hells. I mean, there are, you know, conversely, there are some DeFi protocols that, you know, with staking, they give certain amounts of interest, which is slightly different. So I'm not mm -hmm. sort of going into that, but you've got all of these projects will make all of these claims like, oh, we'll trade your Bitcoin for you and you'll get X percent daily returns. And then I would run for the hills and, and run a million miles away because it isn't possible. You know, the best funds in the world can't guarantee returns and they certainly can't guarantee returns like that. And that's funds yeah. that have, you know, the best software and the best traders and, you know, all the experience. And if they can't do it, then you've got to wonder why an unknown little startup can. And if mm -hmm. they've got this software, why would they share it? If you've got a trading mm -hmm. software that makes you guaranteed money, why would you tell anybody else about it? Mm -hmm. You'd put your money into it, even if you've only got two quid to put into it. And then the mm -hmm. next day you've got four quid and the next day you've got mm -hmm. eight and, you know, with compound interest and whatever that they offer. So, you know, I, I, I'd be hyper, hyper cautious. If there's anything that offers like compound interest or, or, or says payouts, be really, 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 really cautious. And, you know, you can get these compound interest calculators online where you can enter the, the, the you know, enter the numbers promised and, you know, usually you can see that, you know, if, if you, you know, they make these crazy claims. If you invest, you know, a thousand pounds by the end of the year, you'll have like, you know, however many hundreds of millions or whatever it is. It's just not possible. It's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. It's not realistic mm -hmm. under any sense of the word. So yeah. And anything that promises or guarantees payouts, I'd, 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 I'd run for the holes. But then you've also got to be super, super careful because the scams will make these claims. Like, you know, they'll use other people's profiles, logos, or say so-and-so is, is part of the team or is advising us or, you know, we're partnered with so-and-so. And, you know, with, with that, the unfortunate thing is, is you've kind of got to check everything yourself manually. You can't just take anything at face value. Um, you know, and, and, and in some cases, claims made by companies, yeah, they'll be 100% legit. Like every customer they say is, yep, it's a customer. Every person on the team, yep, it's a person on the team. It's legit. Mm -hmm. It's good. 
Um, but I, I, I would with anything, I would, I would check everything, really find out, you know, maybe even message the people that it claims to be, um, to, to check that or, you know, if, and, and there's usually press releases made, like if there's an exciting project that's collaborated with a big known company, there'll be PR around it. There'll be press releases about it. So Google it, check, check all the companies. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'd say, you know, unfortunately for people, but just do an enormous amount of research into everything, into every claim made. And, um, in, in my experience, if there's one red flag, then that's kind of bad because if there's one red flag, like, I don't know, it says we've got a partnership with whatever company and that doesn't exist or, you know, we've got so-and-so on the team and the person is like, no, I've never heard of this project. Um, it, I, I'd say if there's one red flag, then go running for the hills because that, that probably means that everything else has been made up. Yeah. There's one that I came across um, maybe about two, six to eight weeks ago. Um, and it had to do with the digital yuan. Right. Basically, this, there's this uh, website. I ended up doing a YouTube video on it in the end because I was like, okay, let me have a look into this. Looks too good to be true. Mm-hmm. But basically, their, their, their whole um, shtick was, um, yeah, Chinese government have just launched their digital currency. This is an opportunity for you to get in quick. Um, we are guaranteeing that if you invest, I think it was like, um, $100 or something like that, you'll get like, a, or you'll, you'll get $1,500 back within uh, X amount of time. And mm. like, literally, you go on the website, you put in your email address, you put in your telephone number, someone rings you, boom, just immediately, yeah. just like that. And um, so, phone call comes through, start having a conversation with this person. I was like, okay, just tell me a bit more about what's going on, playing a bit coy. And he's like, yeah, we've got, you know, financial advisors who can actually talk you through how to invest it. All you need to do is you need to sign up with X amount of money today. Then we get you going and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, hang on a second. You've got a financial advisor who can actually advise me on, on how to, how to trade this and what, what to invest in on your platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can do that. And I'm like, financial advisors in the UK cannot yeah. advise on crypto assets. I know that because I'm a qualified financial advisor and you have to go to a certain extent for them to switch. And once they lost patience with me, then you really found out what they're really all about. But those kind of things are so easy for people to get caught up in because they're very proactive. You give your email address, your telephone number, they are on you straight away. And and the thing is, they they, they have good marketing strategies. They understand psychological play. They know how to pressure people. They know they, 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 you know, it's, it's the ability to to convince somebody to hand over their money or to invest in something if you've got the right psychology and enough marketing sort of money behind you that's doable and they know exactly how to do that and they get the best people to do it and you know that that is scary but the scams have money and they can hire the best talent to do that yeah it's interesting actually because some of the phraseology they were using is you know this is, you know, I'm not gonna, we can't force you to do anything, but you're missing out on a really great opportunity here. Yeah. We've had clients last week who we paid out to, and it's it's putting you in a position where, where you'll think, you start to question yourself, like, hang on a second. They're not trying to force me to do anything. So what am I, what yeah, am, yeah. why am I hesitating? It's, it's, it's like, it, they play on people's FOMO and desire mm-hmm. to get in. And so, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's yeah, just, just be very, very careful. So before we end, I think you've kind of highlighted a few things for people to watch out for in terms of the themes there and stuff like that. I'm interested to know about the book just for the listeners. Tell me right. a bit about the book. So the book is Crypto Awards, Fake Deaths, Missing Billions and Industry Disruption. So it's super exciting. A publisher reached out with the idea of doing a book about all of the biggest hacks and scams in crypto. So um, 
yeah, it, it goes into 10 different chapters looking at the biggest sort of hacks, scams, Ponzi schemes, multi-level marketing schemes. This is a whole sort of drama and world where sells crypto in the early years. And, and you know, it, it breaks it down. It's, it's, it's designed to be super easy and, and fun reading, but just makes it makes it accessible, explains the biggest sort of hacks, scams, dramas in the space in, in, in short, easy bursts. And, you know, hopefully with that, people get a really good overview of what, what, what the earlier, crypt, you know, crazier years in crypto were like, how the scams operate, how they play on people, how they manage to get so big, how, you know, all, all of that. So I do hope that if people read it, they'll be able to, at least know more about the scams and um, be able to see how they work and how they fool people and then be less likely to fall for the scams themselves. So yeah, a super, super easy, easy read, not technical at all, but just will give a, an overview of the, the crazy world of crypto and, you know, also some examples of why it's actually cool. Um, and that's available from all good booksellers. It's available from Amazon, from um, all, all good um, book stores. Um, direct from the publisher as well. That's coganpage.com with a, a discount code CryptoWars20. So yeah, widely available. Fantastic. That's great. And, and what about the uh, Crypto Curry Club? How, what do you do within that? What's that all about? So that was until lockdown. It was all in person, super cool get together, um, invite only networking events um, for the community. We've got a really, really cool crypto community. Um, so we've got an industry newsletter, the Crypto Courier. That's our Open Friday, just giving. Um, the news and updates of the biggest stories that week in crypto, blockchain, and DeFi made made simple. Um, and we've got a, an industry publication, Blockchain Industry Review, um, as well as hosting Butch one, and we'll hopefully soon again in person events. So you can find out everything at cryptocapitalclub.com. Fantastic. So guys, this has been an interesting um, episode for me to just have this conversation with with Erica. Um, if you haven't already, go check out the Crypto Curry, Curry Club. Go join that. Go and grab the book as well if you want to. How can people connect with you if they want to connect with you, Erica? Um, email uh, hello at cryptocurryclub.com or via LinkedIn is best or on Twitter. So everything is at Crypto Curry Club. Perfect. That's great. So guys, there it is. Um, if you want some more cryptocurrency or crypto content, please do let me know. I mean, it's a topic that I'm fascinated they'll, they'll, by. They'll be contacting you for free, free cryptocurrency now if you wear that like that. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Yeah, so just, you know, make in So if, in if you moderation. want free crypto, Peter is, is making promises there. <laughs> If I had enough to, to give up, I probably would actually, but there you go. Um, but yeah, I hope you've enjoyed this, guys. And um, thank you so much, Erica, for joining me. Thank um, you for having for me. Well. Cool. And uh, yeah, go check out the Crypto Curry Club. Go join there. Go get the book. I will leave Crypto links. Curry in, Club. In. Curry like the food, not currency. Yes. <laughs> curry Club. Yes, Curry Club. I food. will leave links to everything in the show notes. So um, yeah, go check it out and let me know what you thought of this episode. But guys, whatever you're doing this week, make sure that you, you know, keep your head in the game. Remember, money's a tool, life is for living. And we will speak again next week. Have a good week. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to check out other episodes and share with the people closest to you. New to investing? Check out Peter's course for first-time investors designed to give you the foundation you need. If you prefer one-on-one coaching, book a complimentary discovery with the man himself. All links in the show notes.